it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey, what if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye. You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Good evening and welcome to the Buddy Martin Show on a late night dilly dilly. And sorry about the mulligan, little audio issue there. We're back on the Buddy Martin Show and podcast. Going to be quite a show for you tonight. Those of you who like recruiting are in for a treat. We're one of the best in the business. Jason Higdon joins us momentarily to give us the latest breakdown on recruiting for the Florida Gators. Program brought to you in part tonight by CD Farms, Florida. Thanks to our friends Tracy and Chris. And we've got lots to talk about tonight. Big win for the Florida Gators. Big in terms of size, number of points, etc. Some good things happened. Uh, and uh, here we go. It is Florida State, Florida. And I say it that way because the game is in Tallahassee. Unlike with Georgia, Florida. And it's in Jacksonville, it's always to me Florida, Georgia, but it is actually Florida at Florida State. So Florida, a four-point favorite, four to five in that neighborhood right there. And uh, you can join us tonight for questions with Jason. Now that I see some of you are climbing back aboard, uh, thanks for the tolerance and patience. Here, these little techie bugs come up over the weekends, particularly. They seem to creep in. So, got a good show for you tonight. As I said, Jason Higdon from First and Ten Florida. We'll be talking to the Minister of Information. Graham Hall joins us on the program. And then the Iron Duke himself will be at the anchor position to bring us home with that. So, we'll get started in just one moment. Uh, <clears throat> just want to say on a program note, this week, holiday schedule, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule shows not scheduled for other shows the rest of the week, but it being Thanksgiving and Florida, Florida State, we may have a pop-up here or there. You never know about that. So anyway, we will talk about the new commit Florida got from Stone Mountain, offensive tackle, and some other guys who might be flippers uh, and other scenarios for the Florida Gears recruiting. Uh, I will go ahead and see if we get a hold of Jason right now and visit with him. Uh, and we will uh, catch up to what he's got going on. If you haven't seen his new uh, his new uh, recruiting site, First and Ten Florida, you need to check on that. Uh, he is, of course, his, he's about the best there is in terms of uh, recruiting in the Southeastern Conference as well as recruiting uh, in uh, all over the South. So I believe he will be joining us right now on our Rinstar split screen, Mr. Jason Higdon of first and ten florida.com among others how are you jason i'm doing good buddy how are you doing tonight i'm <clears throat> doing good i was just checking to see if you had the same look that you had last time you were on because yeah there you are you have the last time you had i don't think you had a full goatee at the time but it's looking good it's a little a little more growth on it these days well we're, i'm trying buddy i'm doing the best i can well it's getting a little chilly where you're in atlanta right I am. It's actually a little chilly up here. It is. Yeah. yeah. So you got to get all the help you can get there, right? That's right. Yeah. I. Uh, what's your year been like, by the way? Catch us up. I mean, I know it's always for you on the move constantly. Uh, and, you know, you, you're a man who, I don't know, in the old days when you used to have to count minutes on your cell phone, I'm sure you burned a few phones up, didn't you? I did. It's, um, you know, this is the crazy time of year. There's two seasons, the football season and the recruiting season. And, you know, I'm actually really excited about getting through this last game this weekend or, you know, other than the bowl game to really get recruiting cranked up and see how things end here. 
Yeah, it's coming down to the end, as a matter of fact, and people are getting... Well, last time we talked to you, uh, when Florida fans were getting a little bit grim and concerned about what was going on, I, I think you kind of told us to relax and that Mullen was making progress and he would be fine. So just in, in a couple of sentences before we get into some specifics, if we may, on the recruiting part of this, we're going to talk about football. Uh, tell us what the latest scenario, because I saw this and I am like, I am not good at recruiting. That's why I asked for, I beg people like you to come on my show and keep me uh, posted on this. Like last time I saw a list, I don't know if it was 247s. I just looked at it and Florida was 24th. Whatever that means. Now, I know there's a lot of things can happen, but what is going on with the Florida Gators right now? Well, they're sitting at, the, you know, 15 verbal commitments for this current group of the 19 kids, and they have 10 spots remaining. They're going to get to a full class, you know, and I think um, the emphasis is going to be on cornerbacks and rush edge players. So you'll see guys like Chris Steele and Kyrie Elam and maybe a Cordell Float or Jay Ward, in the, you know, on the back end, and you'll see defensive end, rush in players like. Brandon Dorless, who's committed to Virginia Tech, or, um, you know, a, a Juco player that I really like named Daytona Jackson, who's going to take an official visit to Florida here, I think, December 7th. So they have a lot of things going. They still look to be in really good shape for guys like Keon Zipper, the tight end, and Lloyd Summerall, an outside linebacker, and Aquan Wright, the running back. Uh, you know, Miami commitment, Michael Tarkin's a kid who's visited three times in a row. So he's mm. been in the swamp the last three weekends mm. while he's maintained his commitment to the Miami Hurricanes. So, People just need to kind of have a little bit of patience, relax. You know, they've picked up two really big verbal commitments in the class of 2021, even though people don't really want to talk about sophomores. A couple kids from Stevenson High School, George Jackson, a big offensive lineman, and his teammate who's a DB athlete, Kamar Wilcoxon, both committed over the last couple of weeks. So these all count. It's not just 2019. Okay. They need to have commitments for 2020 and 2021. Okay. The class of 19 and 20 will be the class that kind of brings them back and has them compete for championships. So they're right where they need to be. They'll finish in the top 10, just like I said they would back in the summer. So things are going really according to plan right now. Yeah. Um, it seems like the rich are getting richer. Certainly Georgia, uh, it seems, uh, and where you live. But it, it used to be Florida. Now suddenly Georgia, it's still Florida. But there was a time 10, 15 years ago where Florida was the, the – was it was a gold rush, and now Georgia has so many good-looking commits, so many good players up there. I guess the growth of the state, uh, and then we know about parts of the other uh, area. They, it wouldn't matter to Nick Saban where he where he was because he's going to get the best players against about Alabama. So, what are the schools that are mopping up instead of Alabama and Georgia, or is anybody mopping up? Well, really, I think, you know, those two are kind of leading the way for everybody. You know, Clemson's up there as well, and, you know, Dabo's done a great job. And, you know, certainly with, you know, playing for a couple of national championships and being in the, you know, the playoff, the Final Four or what have you, that, you know, those guys have done a great job. But, you know, Florida's done a great job kind of reopening the pipelines back in the state of Georgia just with mm. these two most recent commitments who those two kids will have offers from everybody. They've got Jalen Humphreys from Mountain View. They've got Riley Sims from Buford. they got Hopper committed all out of the state of Georgia. And by the way, the future of this team probably is going to ride on the shoulders of two kids from, you guessed it, the state of Georgia with Damian Pierce and Emory Jones. So yeah. Mullen and staff have done a fantastic job recruiting the state of Georgia. They're going to continue to hammer away at the state of Georgia, and they're really going to be a thorn in the side of Kirby Smart and the dogs. There's really no other way around it. Well, how about this new offensive tackle that Florida got to commit from? Jackson. Yeah, Jackson, he's a big kid. He's, you know, 6'4", close to 300 pounds, and he's only a sophomore. So he actually came and committed the same day that Kamar did. But when his dad got home, he kind of wanted to make sure that he didn't get caught up in the moment of being at the game. So he waited, waited a couple days, waited a couple weeks. He came back, made sure that's what he still wanted to do, and he did it. So that's a really big pickup for them. And, you know, Kamar Wilcoxon, who's a DB for Stevenson, is dynamite. He's a 6'2", 6'3". 190-pound kid, and he can do it all. So these are big-time commitments for them for the future, and it's really just setting up more inroads in the state of Georgia. Stevenson is loaded with D1 players, 19, 20, and 21. So it's always good to have guys in those guys' ears, you know, move forward. Yeah. I want to get in a couple of specifics. Some of our people are going online to ask you about right now uh, if it's okay. John T. Carroll lives in Atlanta. He said, can you ask him about the 11th grader at Milton High School 
Paul Chio, 6'5", 300. He should work at IHOP because he pancakes people. <laughs> yeah, he actually, uh, he's a big-time target for Florida. Coach Epstein's well aware of him. He's visited Florida, and uh, he's going to be one of those guys they are going to go hard after next year. So they have a lot of guys in 2020, especially in the state of Florida. But Paul's definitely a kid who's on the radar near the top of the board. All right, what about uh, this the Trey Sanders thing? You hear this or that? Any chance there? Is that a foregone conclusion? Well, you know, I, I think um, you know this might be one of those things where once we reach signing day, people might sit back in their chair and go, "Wow, it really was that easy." He really wanted to come to Florida and play with his brother. So, um, you know, the mom wants him to be at Florida. Uh, he and his brother are very close. You know, Alabama obviously is a. Let me lost you there for a second, Jason. I'm gonna hang on for a second, see if we get you back. Yeah, the thing is. I think we lost Jason. Let's see if we can get him back on here. Uh, well, technology, that's how it is. Uh, Jason, you're reconnecting, it says right here. Hopefully that will happen. Oh, are you there? Okay, there you are. All right, whatever. It might have been on my end. I'm not sure, but suddenly we lost you. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry, we're back in um, talking about, uh, who was it, Trey Sanders? Trey Sanders, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of people just want to write them off to the University of Alabama, and I guess rightfully so, just because of the way they've, you know, handled running backs and the, what, their ability to go out and land pretty much whatever running back they want. But, you know, I think Florida has a real chance there to kind of sneak up on some people with his brother already being on campus. I know his mom wants him to be at Florida. The mother wants both kids to be at the same school. I still think they're going to be kind of on the outside looking in. Georgia could be the sleeper team in all of this. You know, I think Florida's in a good position with a couple of kids, especially Naquan Wright, maybe even Mark Anthony Richards, who might have Auburn leading at this time, but don't count out Florida there either. So they're going to be in it till the end. They're going to kind of wait and see how things unfold with Trey. So, I, you know, I don't really want to count them out right now, but I think they have some ground to make up. Uh, and another Trey, Trey Dean. Um, you know, I like Trey. He, he obviously had a good – freshman season playing corner for Florida. I still think ultimately at the end of the day with the amount of corners that Florida is going to bring in in this class, four for sure, maybe five, that'll really give Grant the ability to maybe slide Dean to one of those safety positions. So I think he had a really good freshman mm -hmm. season, um, but ultimately he's a guy that I think will find his find his home at safety for Florida down the road. Okay. All right. So who, what is the way you, you analyze these teams pretty well, you know, their needs. What do you see Florida going after in terms of a position? I know they like to go after the best available player on the board, the fives and the fours. Florida hasn't been in the conversation for fours and fives until recently. Again, do you have, if you had Mullins board for needs, what would it be in terms of what you see up there? Uh, it's definitely rush end, defensive line players, and corners. Um, those are the, the those two positions are the primary focus for them. They have two corners now. They're definitely going to take two more, probably three if they can get them, uh, and rush in players like Brandon Dorler, so I mentioned earlier, committed to Virginia Tech. Uh, Daytona Jackson, he's a player to keep an eye on. You know, those are two rush DNs. Lloyd Summerall, the outside linebacker. Mm -hmm. Those are all players that are priorities right now for Florida. Yeah. They want guys that can get after the quarterback, and they want guys in the back end that can cover. So those those two positions are a huge priority and the number one and two spots left on the board. All right, a couple more for Jason Higgin. Jason, I'm sorry we got to you late because of our little, had a little tech issue tonight. But uh, if you had a couple more questions. And also, if you would, uh, size up uh, the way the season turned out. Let's start with Florida. Uh, a team that was kind of dead in the water at one point, especially it's at halftime of South Carolina. It looked like the season was going to go and drift into a seven and five, and suddenly things happen. Florida wins now should have should have nine wins, but you know you can't guarantee that against a rival. But nine and three chance to a New Year's Six Day Bowl if it all works out. I would say overall better than the projections. Uh, and uh, what is your analysis from a more neutral standpoint of how Mullen has done in the season they put together? Well, I think clearly if you would have said, you know, before the season they'd have a chance to be 9-3 and three after knocking off Florida State on the road at the end of the season, every Florida fan would have kind of taken that and been really happy with that. Mm -hmm. So 
especially with a chance to go, you know, beat up on your little brother like Central Florida in the Fiesta Bowl, um, you know, to get to that 10th win. So I think they've kind of exceeded expectations as far as, you know, what I thought they would be able to do. I think Coach Mullen has done it a little bit with kind of some smoke and mirrors just from some of the offensive limitations yeah. that they have just based on some of the things that Franks isn't really the mm -hmm. best at doing. Um, so, I, you know, the Florida State game, they have a lot to play for. Uh, Florida has a lot to play for. I don't think it's going to be an easy game. I think Florida will be able to kind of control the line of scrimmage. Uh, they should be able to run the ball. And, um, you know, I'm looking for them to, you know, kind of eke out a close win in the fourth quarter. But I think, you know, with the win, you know, you get to 9-3 and three and Coach Mullen probably gets – uh, you know, coach of the year in the SEC. So mm -hmm. I think they're a little bit ahead of schedule. But what's really going to kind of make the offense tick is when the training wheels kind of come off Emory Jones. So you, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter that it was Idaho, okay? Uh, you know, Franks looked – he looked great against Idaho, right? Um, yeah. But that was his 23rd yeah. or 24th start. Right. Emory Jones looked great against Idaho yeah. in his third game action yeah. ever. Can you imagine what Emory may have looked like had that been his 23rd game played in a Florida uniform? So – the thing that's most impressive about him, uh, watching it and some of the things I've heard, is he's really changed his delivery. So he has more of a compact, one-piece delivery. Um, and the thing that he does that you mean, you're talking so, about Jones now, right? Yeah, Emory. Yeah, the thing yeah. that he does that's so impressive is he throws wide receivers open. Right. Uh, you know, Felipe does it occasionally. Exactly. Emory does it a lot. And he's a very young player, and it's something that you really can't teach. So. The sky's the limit for him, and I look forward to seeing what he can do in 2019. Couldn't agree with you more on that in terms of throwing the receivers open, something they have needed to do for sure. All right, so uh, how about flippers? Uh, there's, you know, some out there that, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, you, do you see any any flippers there that might come Florida's way? I think the majority of the guys left on the board probably will be guys they flip. For example, Derek Gunner's committed to FSU. Quayshawn Fuller's committed to FSU. Brandon Dorless is committed to Virginia Tech. Michael Tarkin's committed to Miami. Even a kid like Dante Lucas, who's committed to Florida State, will be somebody that I think you'll end up seeing make an official visit to Florida before it's all said and done. Then you got a guy, um, gosh, uh, Jaron Handy, who's committed publicly elsewhere, has taken an official visit to Florida. So they have 10 spots left, and there's a real strong possibility. Five of those guys should be guys that flip from other programs. So they've done a great job, you know, maintaining relationships with these guys despite even, uh, you know, committing to other programs. What about Pickering Jason? You know about him? Uh, yeah, Pickering had a, he had a great time this weekend. You know, he chose to come and visit Florida uh, on his birthday weekend, his birthday. He came Saturday morning to date. His birthday was yesterday. He left early this morning. He had a great time. I actually believe you won't see him end up at Mississippi State. He'll leave the state of Mississippi, and when it's all said and done, it's probably going to come down to Alabama and Florida. So, um, you know, we'll see. It's going to be tough for them. But I think, you know, based off everything that I know uh, and kind of what went on this week in Alabama, even though it is Alabama and Nick Saban, they're going to have a very, very hard time trying to uh, kind of duplicate or, or get to the level for his official visit in Tuscaloosa that the Pickering family just had in Gainesville. So that one's going to be real interesting. His official visit to Bama is coming up. I'm curious to see kind of what he's saying after that trip. But Florida sent the – they set the mark very, very high for Pickering and his family. So they'll have a chance with Nathan. Nathan, I said, Jason, sorry. Uh, and, and by the way, it, there's a lot of different kinds of recruiting now because I opened this question up a couple of – well, a month ago – and that is, given the situation with multiple quarterbacks at schools and having the two-quarterback thing, you're going to have transfers, and we've seen it already. And the one analytic, is, which is remarkable, if you go through the top five teams with the best chance of being in the playoffs, every one of them have one characteristic. They all upgraded on quarterbacks since last year, and some of them are grad transfers, Michigan, uh, you know, obviously, and they are, you know, and we saw the, the Tua change in Alabama. So quarterbacks are kind of playing musical chairs. Don't you have to all of a sudden? I know some quarter, some coaches like to keep their quarterback room, uh, you know, sort of like it's uh, it, it's a place of, uh, of 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 reverence, and you don't talk about outside people coming in. But is there a new element today to recruiting, to shopping around for the people like Kelly Bryant? Say, hmm, maybe I can get that guy to take a visit. I, I think it depends on your situation and kind of what you already have. I mean, you know, you're going to have guys like Jalen Hurts and, and Kelly Bryant and 
maybe Shane Buchel and uh, you know Wimbush from Notre Dame. There's going to be some you know some really good quarterbacks that are going to be available. Stidham, you know, when he came to Auburn a couple mm-hmm. years ago, uh, the guy that went to you know Barnett and went to South Florida. It happens all the time. But I believe if you can get a kid in straight from high school, develop him, develop him from day one, you'll be better off in the long run. And I think that's what Dan's going to do with, with Emory Jones, and it'll pay off starting in 2019. So I don't envision them going that direction, or I don't envision them having to go in that direction. Um, I, I think they're in a good spot right where they are. All right, so tell folks again about uh, First and Ten Florida and, and, and the information on how to get signed up and get all those good articles. Yeah, uh, firstandtenflorida.com. We have, you know, I'm running a seven-day free trial now through the end of the month, so you know, people can take advantage of that. They can sign up for free for seven days. You can get unlimited access to everything that we offer. That, that will expire at the end of the month, though, so people really need to try to take advantage of that now. So we're you know, building a great community. Um, it's a lot of fun. You know, just kind of getting started three months into this thing. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just funny how this is kind of where I started and this is where I'm going to mm. end. So I'm right back right where I'm mm. supposed to be and I'm having a great time doing it and, you know, talking to guys like you. Grassroots stuff, man. That's what we're about these days. We appreciate you being on. We'll look forward to getting you back again soon. Thanks, buddy. Have a good night. Thank you. Jason Hegner from firstintendentflorida.com. He's, if you're not familiar with him, well, you should, if you like recruiting, you should, you should check it out. Speaking of check it out, we're going to check this out, and uh, we'll take a quick break and come back. And the Minister of Information is standing by. We'll get his take on a few things. Uh, and I'm sure he's got some recruiting information he'll share with us. Job-related accidents create incredible stress on your finances, your relationships, and most importantly, your sense of well-being. When the adjuster is not approving benefits you're entitled to by law, you need Dan Hightower to help you understand all of your legal options. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. Call Daniel L. Hightower today to better understand all your legal options. 352-629-7777. Uh, there's the article we had earlier, and today it was announced, I have to get this other thing on, that we have a Final Four. The uh, Scott Brantley Trophy and the Renstar Stars of the Week, you see, sponsored by Renstar. Uh, finals have been announced, there are four of them, uh, and uh, we congratulate those four, uh, and they will be coming to the Ocala Quarterback Club next week. Uh, and get, we'll get a chance to visit with them for their final appearance. And then the winner will be picked in January. These are all young men who have had an outstanding year. Uh, and, uh, in, in not just football, but academics, leadership, and citizenship. Congratulations to Brian Maurer of West Point, well, excuse me, Westport, Brian Dillard of Lake Weir, uh, Kimo Clark of Vanguard, and Trey Whittemore of Gainesville Buholtz. All announced as the finalists today, uh, and we'll have more information about that. Meanwhile, the information about Renstar is, well, it's a first-class medical research facility we benefit from because it's right here, and they're looking for cures and treatments for the uh, these diseases that uh, we seem to be hearing about so much, especially things like Alzheimer's and psoriasis and RC arthritis, migraine, etc. Uh, and there's clinical trials going on at Renstar, and that information is shipped off. First of all, it's done under closely guided, uh, guarded uh, FDA supervision. Safety is very closely monitored, and then the information is gathered and sent up to these biomedical and pharmaceutical companies. Uh, so if you want to be a part of one of these trials, you can uh, you can call them at Renstar 352-629-5800 uh, or go online at uh, Renstar. Dot net and find out more information. Just remember, Renstar Medical Research, seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. Proud sponsor of the Renstar Star of the Week. Uh, also, if you need a good meal, this is how you get it right here. Uh, Mark's Prime, uh, certainly. Uh, many of you heard about it. There's one in Gainesville, one in Ocala. And uh, if you're lucky enough to have been, you know about it. If you're not, well, you got to go there and try it out. These are just two dishes, the many they have. Uh, on the right, that wonderful piece of beef right there, which is as good as it gets. 
uh, and of course the shrimp on the left. Uh, and these, the menu has many items on it and they're delicious. It's well prepared. Uh, they, they're committed to a unique dining experience to you. Uh, and they like to say they want to please your palate and soothe your soul. Do that with the freshest seafood and the finest beef and the premium wines, naturally fresh vegetables. One of the best restaurants in Florida. One of the best I've eaten in period. And I've eaten some great ones. So check it out. Go online to rent to, to, uh, uh, Ocala. Go to marchprimesteakhouse.com in Ocala. Call 352-402-0097. Gainesville 352-336-0077. Remember they, uh, uh, you, you gotta get the reservation in advance at Mark's Prime. They have a, a holiday season coming on and it's, uh, it's a great place to go, which is why so many people are there. So that's the information you need to know about Mark's Prime Steakhouse, a terrific place to dine. I gotta go back there during the holidays. All right. Uh, Graham Hall, of course, writes articles for Gator Bay. Uh, he also writes articles for the Gainesville Sun. Uh, and, uh, he comes on many shows like this one and shares his knowledge. I believe Graham is covered in basketball this year too. So he's got lots of duties and, uh, Graham has always got good information. I want to get to him and ask him if he's heard anything about the preparation for, uh, Florida State this weekend. Uh, I saw a list. I've got it here someplace and I'll put it up while we're waiting. Matter of fact, while we get Graham on here, here's a list of, uh, I saw from the Fine Bomb show ranking the rivals as we get, uh, we'll get just a second. We'll have uh, Graham up. I see hey, it's on the screen. Cool. How you doing, buddy? I got the, the rivals. I'll just go ahead and read them. You can't see these. Uh, this is uh, the, uh, Sporting News put this, this list today. Uh, and, uh, their rivalries are, um, one through 10. They ranked them and Florida State, Florida's number 10. There was a time when it was a top two or three, but going up the ladder, and this is one that kind of gets you, they're below. Florida State and Florida are below Troy and Appalachian State. I don't think so. Yeah. And then well above eight is Utah State, Boise State, seven South Carolina Clemson, six Notre Dame USC, five UCF at USF. Now, in my life, I never thought I'd see a, a list of rivalries that would have UCF and US, USF better than Florida, Florida State. Somebody's jerking our chain. And then Washington, Washington State, the Apple Cup, uh, Oklahoma, West Virginia, number two, Auburn, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. I would move Michigan, Ohio State down because it hasn't produced much the last five years. And then Auburn, Alabama is number two, should be one. But are you kidding me? Graham, talk to me and tell me what that's all about, buddy. I haven't even heard of three of these. I didn't know Oklahoma at West Virginia was a lower. I didn't, I didn't, you know, maybe that's my ignorance. You know, I, I didn't even know in App State they had enough. I mean, the fans together to fill over from state. You know, it is that they every single year, and, and be fair. Graham, can you Graham do me a favor and call me back? I'm getting you're breaking up for me here, and I can't. They can't hear you. If you give me a call back, and uh, let's see if we can get a little clearer signal. It's our night for this kind of stuff, isn't it? <laughs> it's just how it's going tonight. Let's try it again. See. And here's the ministry information. Let's see if you got a clearer line as you say in the old days. Yes. Yes. Okay. Very it, much better. Yeah. What, what I was saying, I, you know, I didn't even think that Oklahoma at West Virginia was a rivalry. And I didn't even think that, you know, Troy and App State have enough fans combined to fill Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Uh, I guess, you know, recent memory bias or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Florida, Florida State hasn't been a great rivalry in the last five, six no, years. No, no, I get it. I understand that. But, I you mean, know. you really, you're reaching when you say USF and UCF is one of the top five rivalries yeah. in the country. I yeah. mean, I'd say it'll be a seven, eight, nine, maybe, and I could say, okay, and it's on the move and it may well become. But a rivalry needs time. You don't invent a rivalry in three or four years, okay? Was, it, was Iron Bowl even on it? Yeah, yeah. it was number, number, number two. But, which, by the way, is easily number one. Easily think, number yeah, one, without question. And Michigan, I think, I think Michigan, Michigan State is even a bigger game, and um, yeah, yeah. some on there, and uh, you know, I think that was wrong. I think what they meant to say, if they want to say relevance 2018 to their sure. best rivalries, and you rank them, you can't rank a rivalry like that. There's yeah. no way. I mean, you know, please. 
um, uh, insults our intelligence and stuff like that. Anyway, so what's going on? Have you been out? To, you've been doing basketball too, right? Yeah, I've been I've been, I've been taking actually a few, a few days off. Uh, I've been feeling uh, seasonal allergies of everyone else that Dan Mullen was feeling today, Felipe Frank. So Pat's been covering some basketball for us today, but I'll be doing my regular football reporting. Uh, I talked to Todd Grantham tonight and and uh, uh, C.J. Henderson and and talked to those guys about what it would mean to beat Florida State. Um, <clears throat> David Reese said tonight that, uh, you know, the mentality week to week in this team is something that we've talked a lot about consistency, something that they're going to need to work on. And, and David Reese tonight said that, you know, with the mentality that they've shown the last <clears throat> two weeks, really since rallying against South Carolina, uh, they wish they could play Missouri again because this is a team that they, they feel could possibly have, you know, be 10-2 and two, uh, when all is said and done. But still a chance to have 10 wins depending on that bowl game and, and how it plays out. But you know, the big thing is that, and, and Zach Carter actually admitted it after the game, he, he said that all in the buildup to Idaho, they were focused on preparing for Florida State, making extra preparation for Florida State. This game it means a lot more, I think, to the Gators than it does to F- Florida State, even though they're fighting to keep that, what is it, 36-year bowl eligibility streak alive. I know. So there are some more storylines, I will say, uh, than in recent years. Florida's going to be favored, and they're also the one craving a win. Uh, and Florida State is trying to keep an hist- a historical streak alive and, and salvage some good memories in Willie Taggart's first year. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, that's a lot going on there. And um, um, it's been a disaster, obviously, in, in Tallahassee. But, you know, these are the kind of things where one win almost makes your season. You know, and that would be uh, – and I don't think it's going to be an easy game. I, I just don't see – I think they beat a pretty good Boston College team. Granted, there were injuries to Boston College, but but still, um, you know they Cam Akers is a heck of a running back. Uh, you know, obviously uh, the quarterback sitting DeAndre Francois has not gotten it together yet. Uh, I don't think Florida State's had an offensive line in 15 years. I don't know what gives it them. They don't get offensive linemen or, or something up there. They get their quarterbacks killed. They got defense. They got great speed, and they got on defense. But and tomorrow we're going to have an old friend on. Um, uh, up for, up in the at Warchan to talk about Florida State to get coached up. I haven't kept up, but let's talk about Florida for a second. Let's go back to last weekend for a second. What did you pull from the Idaho game? What did you take away? Well, I liked seeing Dan Mullen, like everyone else, pull out all the stops. I think that especially if you're going to you know rotate in, cycle in as many uh, second, third string guys as possible, what you need to do is make them see that they can be successful and everything plays out, even if it's against. You know, an Idaho team, that's what you're paying them, what is it, $1.2 million to do is, is beat the crap out of them and give your guys some confidence, give them some game experience. You know, that's what you're paying them for is a glorified scrimmage that's going to count as a W, give your, you know, starters a chance to rest. I don't think Jordan Scarlett, <clears throat> you know, had a carry uh, against, you know, he was he was part of that, that reverse, but I don't think that he had a carry and, and many other Gators had a chance to rest. Felipe Franks, you know, rested. Um, you know, the entire second half and the last three minutes of the second quarter there. So um, that that is probably the biggest thing. They uh, Dan Mullen today said that they escaped with, you know, no injuries and they should get everyone back. They should get, you know, uh, Brett Heggie back, Brad Stewart, um, probably a little more questionable with Brad, but uh, they should get everyone back against Florida State. And that is, again, a far cry from the last two years, last three years against Florida State, where they were going in at the end of the season and, and you were missing so many starters. I think last year they were missing 22 guys uh, against South Carolina and they were averaging, an, uh, you know, 10 starters missing every single game. Uh, it's night and day. And, and you know, we think that that, you know, we think of the immediate impact having those guys in there, but a lot of those guys are young and they're getting game experience and that's increasing their long-term potential uh, and I think that's the big thing for Idaho. That's why you schedule a, an Idaho against Florida State. So you're not playing, you know, South Carolina or Missouri, and you're, you're, you're not getting beat by 25 before playing your biggest rival. Dan Mullen said today that, like what you just said, Bully, uh, buddy, that, you know, they can go into Florida State and, and they can have a good season. If they lose to Florida State, it's, oh, we had a great, great season, but, mm-hmm. you know, or they could have a bad season, like for Florida State. Um, but then they beat Florida, number 13 team in the country, and that kind of salvages a lot for them. It salvages, you know, some re- recruiting momentum and all that stuff. So definitely a lot of things that you have to worry about if you're Dan Mullen and if you're Willie Taggart. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, um, I'll get you a couple of final thoughts and, and let you go and catch up. On your, your, thanks for joining me in the night when you're not feeling the best in the world. I hope you get better with the allergies. Those things are painful, I know. Um, yeah. A lot of points scored last week. Georgia 66, Florida 63, Auburn 53, Mississippi State 52, Missouri 50, Alabama 50, although they struggle. Uh, and that's great, but it's not so great because it's Cupcake Weekend. How do you feel about these games? Uh, you know, I, I look around at the SEC, and I understand uh, everything that's changed over the last decade. And, and the SEC is always going to be known, I guess, for these you know powerhouse defenses, these fast, quick rotate often, substitute often, rotating defenses. Um, but recently, like you said, it, it's uh, been a, an offensive conference. I mean, you look at Florida, I think they're over at, you know averaging about, what is it, 415 offensive yards a game, and yeah, that's only 16, yeah. 50th in the country. That, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, but it's uh, better than what it was. Yeah, it's oh, better, it was in the hundreds for the last two years, right? Did you see that graphic that went around that showed every category that Florida had improved in? Um, I did see that. Yes. And, you know, some of those have gone up 90 places. I, I think that, yeah, I think one of those was the touchdown interception ratio. Last year, I was kind of surprised mm. that for every touchdown, they had an interception. And it, maybe I guess that it's just lost on me in retrospect how bad Florida's offense really was. But when you look at now that they have a four to one touchdown and interception ratio, and Felipe Franks isn't, you know, going out there and lighting it up every single game, again, it's an, it's an ultimate testament to. Coaching, you know, you just pointed out Cam Akers, all the all the talent that Florida State has got over the last few years, and they're still, you know, <clears throat> they have five wins, and three of them came against Northern Illinois, Samford, and, and Wake Forest. Uh, your talent means nothing if you don't have the right coaches in there, and I think that Florida certainly knows that with Will Muschamp and Jim McElwain, and, and now Florida State's finding it out. Can finish off a good season. What you got coming up in Gator Bait? Uh, I'm writing about uh, Brian Burns. Uh, Florida's defensive end. I'm still figuring out what I'm writing this week about Florida State, but it's probably going to be about the seniors, what this game can do down the line. I mean, Florida really needs a, a tide-turning game, and, you know, what what a better chance to, over the next um, three games, for Florida to possibly beat Florida State, UCF if they get the Fiesta Bowl, and then, what, nine months later, Miami? I don't think there there's a better plate of dominance that yeah. Florida could possibly have. Who would have thought? looking to assert himself, yeah. that could be the next three games over the last 10 months. I'm going to take a little bit of a look at that and add how that's a very unique situation. You haven't played three top yeah. teams in state for Florida before. Uh, that could be a big thing. So I that's like what I'm week, and then I'm uh, trying to get get ready and get ready for Thanksgiving, and then I'll be up in Tallahassee to, to wrap this season up, buddy. Well, have a good trip. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope you feel better. Thanks for coming on the program, all right? Thank you. Okay, all you guys, too. You have a great Thanksgiving. All right. Graham Hall, the Minister of Information. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, so let's uh, get our buddy Franz Beard aboard here, get him started. Uh, he's, uh, I'm sure he's got probably Thanksgiving at home with his parents. That's what he usually does, and I don't think he'll be traveling anywhere. Dowdy's going to go up to the game. I'm not going to go this weekend. I'm going to have my family coming in here, and uh, I'm going to be um, – watching on TV and seeing my grandson for first time in a while. So I'm taking a little holiday this week. Uh, been a long year. I would call Franz Beard. Uh, while we do that, I want to be sure and tell you about, uh, while France, we get France on board. I want to tell you about, I was down at Griner's today about to buy a new jacket because I've got a gig I got to do for the Ocala symphony. Uh, and, uh, I've got some on the screen here, some beautiful things. I took pictures of there. Uh, there's a Peter Millar jacket in the middle. Oh, boy, that's nice. And then some shirts and some other things. Grinders, Grinders of course, long-time tradition. Franz Beard knows about them. They've been, uh, since 1962, the better tradition here. It's a place you can go and be assured that your clothes are going to look smart. And they'll tell you. I went in today and said, David, i got to have something because i got this important time. I don't have a good-looking sport jacket. Miss Tony wants me to get one. She's sorry, it's what you're going to get. Going to do this in a black and da 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 I'll have it for you next week, and then we'll get it tailored. That's what you'll do when you go to Grinders. <clears throat> they have terrific lines. They have ter uh, terrific uh, people down there, or David DeSantis, and, of course, um, always a good place to go and hang out just to be there with the little dog, uh, Elvis. <clears throat> Elvis is in the picture laying down here on the floor. So go and say hi to Elvis. Tell David hello. Check out some of those great fall lines. Some of those long sleeve Peter Millar shirts are great. That good-looking jacket. You'll find out why Grinders has been an Ocala institution 
since 1976. Granted, it's 405 East Silver Springs Boulevard, downtown Ocala. And with that, let's go up to the, uh, back to the hotline and see if our buddy Francis Beard, he's there. There he is. There he is. What's and up, Francois? Tell, tell people one thing. If they tell you it looks good on you at Griner's, buy it because it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boy, you know about it. Remember, you know, our late friend, you know, your friend and mine too, my good, one of my good buddies, Augie Griner. I think about him every day to this day. What a terrific person he was in addition to being a great clothier. Uh, but also we did a lot of broadcasting with him. You know, when you were covering more basketball in the day, Alki, of course, is, uh, is we used to call him our Mr. Basketball. Uh, and I still miss him. He's been gone a while, and I still miss him. So I love going back down to the store. It makes you feel like I'm close to Alki. So, Francis, how you doing, buddy? Uh, good night to be had by all. Uh, Gators uh, on the verge of, I think, moving uh, up to probably, I'd say, 10th or 11th. In the uh, playoff poll, probably I would, you know, twelfth is twelfth for sure. But I think that there's a possibility they move up a little higher than that. Well, there are thirteen in both the other polls. <clears throat> they were static in one and they moved up two spots in the coaches, I believe it was. Uh, and so there's going to be tough to jump too far ahead of them because some of those teams have to lose and some of them will lose because of the rivalry week. And well, uh, but the the playoffs, the playoff. Uh, rankings are a little bit different yeah because right more eye tests mm -hmm. the gators were you know here's the thing with the playoff rankings the gators were 13th last week syracuse was 12th x them out they lost west virginia lost it lost x them out they're, they're gonna they're gonna drop uh so florida could move up i'd say two spots mm -hmm. uh to to number 11 and depending on what the what the committee thinks, the committee may look at that Ohio State uh, near egg they laid at Maryland, and mm -hmm. they may drop them down a spot. They may move Florida up a spot, move Ohio State down a spot, which could put the Gators, say, even as high as number 10. Yes. Since you brought it up, I was going to bring it up, and let's talk about it. I talked to a couple of people, including Coach Spurrier, uh, about Urban Meyer. And you and I know Urban fairly well. Uh, I know I don't want to get into I hate Urban Meyer stuff. Okay, I don't want to hear it tonight. But uh, uh, everybody's concerned about the, his welfare, and he did look like he was going to keel over on the sideline. Uh, amazingly, I've seen that look before, and you have too. Uh, I somehow keep thinking that he'll get past this and live the fight again another day because. Friends, you know this to be the case. When I wrote the book 10 years ago, Urban's Way interviewed over 50 people, including his ex-teammates and friends. They all told me they thought Urban would never burn out or go to the NFL. He'd just drop over on the sideline. Now, that's before he got sick because he's the kind of guy that just goes all in on what he does. And, you know, we see that on the sideline. He looks like he's tilting, leaning, like he may fall over at any minute. And 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 I was quite frankly worried about him, Franz. What, what about you? Uh, I took one look at him bending over on the sideline, and uh, I, I, really, I really feared something bad was about to happen to him uh, the other day. Um, I, you know, uh, as much as I hate to agree with Paul Feinbaum on this, on this i'm not sure he's going to coach next year and it and but this time it will be a legitimate you know just like last time i know a lot of people don't want to believe it but the last time was a legitimate health concern and i think this one will be only this time if he if he walks away it will be for good i guarantee you it will be for good because uh, I, I'm pretty good friends with Shelly, and, and that's pretty much what Shelly said. When when he walks away from this job, there will be no other job. Mm -hmm. Certainly not money, that's for sure. <clears throat> um, well, see what happens. Uh, Spurrier is supposed to be on with tomorrow, hopefully, if not then Wednesday. He brought this stat up to me, and you're just a man who researches, so I can tell him we're on it. He says Urban never loses close games. He said, I don't know anybody who's won more one- and two-point games in coaching than him. And, of course, he called me Saturday night. Well, there's another one. 
You know, they won. That game was going south for Urban. There is no way Ohio State's winning that game. Everything that could go wrong is going wrong. You just knew that, I mean, I mean, Maryland, I got to give it up for Maryland. I mean, Maryland played great football. And, and Matt Canada, I got new respect for him, the way he coached that team. And you had to say, you understand, you loved him for having the guts. Of course, he had nothing to lose. Go for it at the end. And the play was right. It was open. And, of course, he had an inexperienced quarterback, a freshman wide receiver that couldn't complete it, and Urban dodged a bullet. Uh, but I don't know, France uh, – France, uh, I think Steve said he might be five and one in overtime games. I'm not sure. And so he's, he's, he won almost every close game. So, and that's what you have to do, you know, to get a good record. Well, you go back to, go back to 2006 when the Gators were, the, you know, the Gators were the cat with not, were the cats with nine lives. And, you know, uh, we were, we were there the, maybe the loudest moment ever in the history of the swamp. When Jarvis Moss, you know, blocks that field goal yeah. in, and, and what's amazing is that was the third kick in the fourth quarter the Gators blocked. That doesn't happen. I'm sorry. I, I still look back at that as probably one of the five most amazing games I've ever seen. Yeah, Jarvis. By the way, not to interrupt you, but Jarvis told Charlie Strong, "I'm going back in that game." He said, "Jarvis, you, he's, you, you, guy says he would say he was spent completely." And Charlie Strong. Said you can't do it. He says I'm going back in that game, and he did, and he blocked the kick. So he said he was going in to block the kick. Yeah, right. And and you know you, you think about it, Jarvis Moss was six seven, Derek Harvey was six five. If Derek Harvey's in there in the middle, which is what would have happened if Moss hadn't been in the ball game, that's a, that field goal would have been good. That kicker mm-hmm. that they had, South Carolina had was on radar lock mm-hmm. and the only way that he, he misses if it is if it's blocked and Jarvis Moss got it the tip of his he said he even told me after that game he said the last you know the last rung on my finger got you know yeah it he didn't get a whole hand on it he just got fingers on it and you know, it, it took a six, seven guy to do it. So, but you're right. Urban, you know, that 2016 thrived in the close ball games. They beat FSU. I think it was, uh, uh, 21 to 14 there at, up at, uh, up at Dope Campbell that year. Uh, another close, close ball game. Uh, all through that season, there, there were close calls and, and he thrived in those situations. Yeah. Plus, I'll tell you something else. Urban, if you if Urban is going to lose a game, more than likely it's going to be against a lesser team, maybe even an unranked team. For example, like Ole Miss. If we go back, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like he lost to Auburn Purdue. in two thousand two thousand six. You know, he's more likely to lose to the lesser teams. Than he is to a right team. Mm-hmm. His teams tend to, his teams rarely lay an egg in a big game against a, a highly ranked opponent. I, yeah. I, I think you know I, I'm not at all certain, as some people are, that Michigan's going to win that game this weekend. It's in Columbus. Well, I'll tell you, they will. If they play like that, their defense has just disappeared completely. Uh, Greg Schiano needs to go coach a special teams or something. The way that team, that group plays, awful. Yeah. Here's what I heard about Hurt that I, I kind of agree with. He doesn't have a team that's playing assignment football. He's got a team, a defensive team out there that's playing hero football. Everybody's trying to make the big play or the big hit, and people aren't paying attention to their assignments. And that's what's happening. The big plays get hit when people blow assignments. Mm-hmm. I kind of agree with that, having watched them in a couple of three bad ball games this year. Yeah. Friends, let me get a couple of questions there from people. Uh, Lynn Tindall wants to know about the Mad Hatter going to Kansas. Uh, I don't know. I, I know people are knocking it. Why not? The guy's won a national championship. He was successful at Oklahoma State, the Big 12 once before. Uh, you know, unless you can go out and get a hire, a, hire a bright young guy. But who are you going to get at Kansas? Let's be honest. 
It's what kind of, he can do at Kansas is state. He can coach five or six years, build it for the next guy, mm -hmm. stabilize that situation, and then they can go get their young guy because by then they'll have a base. I agree. You got to remember something. It can be done in the state of Kansas. When, before Bill Snyder went to Kansas State, K State was had the worst record in all of Division One in the history of college football. Mm -hmm. And you look at what's happened in the years since then. K-State is a very respected program. Mm -hmm. It can be done in the state of Kansas. You can get players to come there because there aren't enough good There are not enough good players to come in Kansas. You've got to be able to recruit. And if we know one thing about Les Miles, he can flat out recruit. Yeah. All right, let's talk rivalries here. We've been around. We've seen a few. Uh, you know, believe it or not, I was thinking, how many people do you know that actually was at the first FSU Florida game? You probably don't know many. <laughs> I was sitting in the stands as a student. I saw it when Bobby Wren took the kickoff back. But uh, but rivalries. Now, there was a time for those people who hadn't been around that long in the Spurrier-Bowden area where you could make a case for Florida-Florida State being the top rivalry in the country. I mean, it was, let's be honest. The 90, 95, 96 era right in there, it was. Those teams were playing. Every time they played, they were top five going head-to-head, -head, you know. And you look at that thing. I'm looking at this sporting news grid. I'm going to put it back up again. This is sporting news. I, if you haven't seen it, you'll you'll get a kick out of this. You ready? I'll start from the bottom and go up. I'll, I'll say, number 10, Florida, Florida State, 10. Number nine, Troy at App State. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. Number eight, Utah State at Boise State. Seven, South Carolina Clemson. Notre Dame at USC is number six. And number five is UCF at USF. Are you kidding me? You can't have a top rivalry uh, if it's they only started playing football 15 or 20 years ago. You know, I mean, you, they just burst on the scene, and they're not even Power Five. You know, they're not even a, you know the elite team. So I don't know. Some he's got to be talking about this has got to be the, the the rivalry game of the weekend because well, ranking the best rivalries according to Sporting News. All right, now he's got Alabama Auburn number two to Michigan Ohio State, uh, and if he means it as this week, maybe, maybe. If that's the case, Florida, Florida State may not even be in the top ten. But I guess that's what it means. If he's talking about what is now the top rivalries in college football, please, no way. That, that, that wouldn't even be close because no. if you're talking the top rivalries in college football, you'd have to have Texas and Oklahoma State, Oklahoma in there. Right. Uh, you know, games, games like that uh, – I know it's a bad year for Florida State, but Clemson-Florida State is still a big rivalry, as is Miami in Florida State, as is Florida-Georgia, as is Florida-Tennessee. Well, I guess this is rivalry weekend games, I guess. Yeah, I, it has to be because, you know, so, but I'll tell you what, that, that could be a really good ball game. Last year, it was the same. Well, I'm not saying it's not a good ball game. If he means the weekend games, yeah. If yeah. you're talking about it says the best rivalries, no way. Yeah. Is that this right? Last last year, that was the single most entertaining college football yeah. game of the entire year, yeah. bar none. You know, yeah. uh, my gosh, uh, South you know Central Florida gets a kickoff return for a touchdown to take the lead, and then South Florida is driving for the winning touchdown, and their tight end running by himself drops the football on the field. UCF hmm. recovers. Wow! Wow! Yeah. All right. So a couple of things to you before I let you go. One of them is uh, let's talk a little bit about this weekend's game. Uh, it's, this is a game that it would obviously it wouldn't make their season, but it would salvage part of their season if Willie Tiger could pull this win off. And they beat a fairly good Boston College team. Uh, and Florida's a four point favorite. And you know we'll see how uh, how Frank's responds up in Tallahassee in that game. Uh, and of course. Florida has to run the football. Uh, and so I don't know how you size the game up. I can't get a handle on it right now. I don't have a feel for it yet, but I would say it's a little bit of a nervous game for me. Well, I think everybody should be nervous about it, but I will say, I will say this about, about Florida State. 
they have done things like they've given up 365 yards rushing to Notre Dame, 222 to Syracuse. Now, they, they held some teams to some, some pretty low totals, but North Carolina State, which isn't a running team, ran for 177 yards on them. They can't, some teams can run on them, yeah. and the Gators are going to be able. I'm more concerned with Felipe Franks making good decisions throwing the football. If he makes good decisions throwing the football, Florida is going to win this football game. But it comes down to he's got to show the same kind of 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 uh, fortitude that he has shown in the last two ball games mm-hmm. in bringing the Gators back from from uh, down twenty one three was it uh, to uh, South Carolina? South Carolina, right? And and then. Uh, what he showed the other he, he had a really nice ball game the other day. I realized that it was It was a, Idaho. It was Idaho. But mm-hmm. just the same, he he did some nice things. You know, he 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 other than an overthrow on a couple deep passes, he looked really, really good throwing the football. And that's what he's gotta do. He's got to play with poise and he can't mm-hmm. let the moment be bigger than him. He's got mm-hmm. to be big enough to be living in the moment. As Billy Donovan used to say, you got to live in the moment, and the moment can't be bigger than you. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's got to do. If he does that and the Gators stuff the run, the Gators will win this football game. Okay. But they, can't, they can't let Florida State run the football. The Seminoles haven't run it very much all year. But they had a pretty good running game against Boston College. They, they went for 156 yards, which was their season high. Now, the Gators have got to be able to do better than that. Better than that. And they've got to get to DeAndre Francois. Yeah. Uh, the Seminoles have allowed 31 sacks this year. Yeah. 31. That's enormous. Now, we're not going to have time for this tonight, but uh, because of our shortened weekend, if you're available Wednesday night, we'll do a little memory lane stuff, uh, talking about favorite Florida State games, moments, etc. we remember, uh, the Braveheart face, the T-Bow, and on, 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 if you're up for that on Wednesday night. I, I'm always up for, for yeah. stuff like, stuff yeah. like that, you know, uh, you know, I've had, there have been a couple really good Florida, Florida State. Yeah, we'll save them up till Wednesday night. And by the way, uh, we don't have a show uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but we have a, maybe a pop-up show in there somewhere over the next few days of the holidays. If you if you're available, want to do it? All right, we'll talk about All it. All right. All let right. Me you, let me give you one quick. Sentence, All right, go ahead. Quick stat to, uh, to for everybody to think about. All right. For the next few days, the Gators have gotten 27 sacks this year. Okay. They've only given up 14. Think about that. Last year. This team yeah. gave up 38 sacks. They've only given up 14 this year. Yeah. If they can protect the passer against FSU, they should. They're going to be all right. If they're if they get to the passer, which they should do against that sieve of an offensive line, they're going to be all right. That's where this game's going to be decided. It's going to be decided by Felipe Frank's poise, and it's going to be decided by by the offensive and defensive lines protecting, protecting and rushing. To your credit, I will say that when last spring we started talking about the offensive line coach, you brought up the stat at Mississippi State, how few sacks John Hevesy had last year, and you're right on. Well, Hevesy, you know, Hevesy doesn't get the credit he deserves. He is an elite offensive line coach. And kid, he, he reminds me of, a, of another former Gator who's now the uh, – offensive line coach up at West Virginia for Daniel Holgerson named Joe Wickline. Joe Wickline, one of the great offensive line coaches in America. But I think Hevesy does a tremendous job, and I think the future of Florida's offensive line is really, really bright. Uh, This guy's got it it going. Francis, yes. He's going to protect. Yes, and I'm going to protect you because we'd be here till midnight if I didn't, which is okay with me either way. Thanks very much, Francis. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. I'll wish you happy Thanksgiving there, okay? All right. The Iron Duke, Franz Beard. Appreciate Thanksgiving spirit. All right, buddy. Thank you. See ya. All right, Franz Beard checking in. Um, 
So uh, let's uh, let's do this today. I was going. I didn't get a chance to play this. So I'm just going to play a couple of minutes of it. Not even. Uh, this is my conversation with Todd Swearingen, who is the chief scout for the Scott Bradley Trophy, and which we narrowed down to four uh, today in today's newspaper. Uh, and I wanted to play just a couple of bites of that. We'll play the whole interview later on. Very excited about these four players for the Scott Bradley Trophy. That's not it. We don't want that. What we want is, well, hmm. You like that? Looks like that wants to stay up there. Um, okay. Let me do this. All right, I'm here with my friend, uh, Todd. All right, I'm here with my friend, uh, Todd Swearingen, and uh, we're having a little lunch and talking about something that uh, we're both very excited about. Todd to be the chief scout of the Scott Bradley Trophy team. I'm Buddy Martin, just some dumb cluck who's a member of the quarterback club. But we've got some exciting news in the Star Banner today. There it is right there. The rat, they have four finals for the for the Scott Bradley Trophy. If you don't know what that is, we're going to try to tell you a short period of time. Why don't you sum it up? You're the chief scout. What do you think? What is this Bradley Trophy? All right, so the Bradley Trophy is about finding the best player in the six-county area, buddy, at the high school level. So it essentially is the Heisman for Central Florida. And what we're looking for is the best player on the field, the best player in the classroom, and the best player in the community that best represents the values that Scott Brown exhibited as a high school player, as a college player, of course, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the quarterback club has put this award together, and they've got a great committee that has been very diligent in its work to find the best players to start with. So we started with 20, we got it down to 10, and then we have our final four. Well, Ty Duffy, who's the quarterback club captain, has done a marvelous job with his committee, and you've been You've been doing a great job. You started with a watch list of 40 months, I recall, something like that. And the six counties, see if we can remember them all. Yep. Lachaway, Marion, Citrus, Sumter, Leany, and Lake. This senior. Uh, be a senior player. Person who represents the qualities that Scott has as a competitor, as a student, as a leader, uh, all those things. Yep. And the committee has worked diligently all year looking at film, looking at tape. And now we're bringing this all together on the 28th, the Ocala House Club, the final meeting of the awards night of the Ocala Quarterback Club. And all four coaches, hopefully, and all four players will be there that night to learn, really, for the club to meet them. And the Quarterback Club gets a collective vote, so they'll get a chance to view these guys, too. And so anything you can tell us about these four young men, I want to mention them by name, by the way, in this fine article by Richard today. Uh, we know Brian Moore, of course, the quarterback. Uh, Westport, uh, Brian Dillard, uh, uh, Kibo Clark, and uh, Trent Whittemore, all four terrific young men uh, who are who are in the. It's an honor to make the final four. Okay, here's a little comment about that. We'll play more of it later in the week. Congratulations, more information. Uh, we'll have these four young men on camera next week and talk. We're very proud of this award. Okay, we'll tell you about. Uh, our friends on All Far Sportswear, and uh, we'll wrap this. for Christmas Gator stuff uh, and they have FSU by the way in Miami too but go online and check it out they do a great job there and we'll have more information about those Christmas goodies later on in a couple of weeks if you're looking for gifts Black Friday coming up let me get my girl Jen Lay in here because there's another idea for you talking about <clears throat> some kind of different gift that you always need Tupperware you always need things to in the kitchen to put stuff in 
you know, uh, the whole things. And Tupperware's been doing it for a long time and continues to do it. And Jen, Jen, Jen Lay is, uh, is our chief Tupperware person. Go on to Facebook, uh, Tupperware Jen and see for yourself some of the items. I bought several things from her, uh, if, and for the kitchen. You get holiday items, containers, et cetera, pans, pots, whatever. Uh, and it's a terrific way to, uh, to raise, uh, do a fundraiser. If you want to contact them, uh, contact Jen, they'll give you back 40% of your sales proceeds in the organization. So, uh, check it out. You can go to jenlay, J-E-N-L-E-Y dot M-Y dot Tupperware dot com to purchase your product or, or seek, look at other stuff. Just do a little shopping or you can go to, uh, her Facebook page, Facebook Tupperware Jen. Check them out. Tupperware. It's been around for a long time and there's a reason it's good stuff. All right. I'll say, uh, thank you to everybody tonight. Friends, sponsors, uh, callers, listeners. You know, we don't have a caller, but you know, I was thinking maybe for next year we'd entertain this idea for those of you who left uh, there. Is that maybe we'll have a special deal for certain people to call the show. Maybe a hotline. Maybe a GNK Elite line. I don't know. It's an idea. We can do this one night a week or something, but we're looking at new models for 2019 if you want to keep this going, and hopefully we do, and uh, we'll come up with some ideas and take some of yours. Meanwhile, I will say good night to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Don't forget, shows tonight, tomorrow night, Wednesday. Uh, nothing scheduled for the holidays of uh, Thursday and Friday, unless we have a pop-up show. Good night, everybody.